he should be an NHL coach. I'm not denying that. I just don't yeah. think that this was the time or the team. You know, I exactly. I just I couldn't imagine being a team that's supposed to be winning cups, struggling bottom of the the league, and they're like, "Hey, we need to bring in a rookie coach for you." I'd be expecting someone who's won a cup. That's what I'd be expecting if I was Connor McDavid. You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 190. Nice number right there uh, for the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne all back together for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, We've been busy with uh, lots of other things going on, but it's great to see you guys again. And uh, of course, we are approaching American Thanksgiving. That's going to be a big theme in this episode. We're going to be talking about NHL teams who we think may be in trouble and uh, have played playoff expectations that are on the line right now as we approach U.S. Thanksgiving. By the way, there is a a really interesting stat that we're going to get to in a little bit when it comes to teams outside of the playoffs at U.S. Thanksgiving. How about that for a tease? Uh, Anyway, I'll say say hey to you guys now. How we doing, fellas? Doing pretty good, guys. Happy to be back after a brief hiatus last week. How are you, Chad? Doing well, Harp. You're you're doing a great job here. You must have just got off the air or something with with the teaser and the intro and everything. You're just on the ball today. Maybe it's because did you nap extra long today? Was that what happened? Is that what happened? I mean, I yeah, I think you know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm doing well, boys. Uh, wanted to mention I purchased tickets last night to go see the Arizona Coyotes play in Arizona at Mullet Arena in December. So I'm really looking forward to that. They play the Sens, by the way. So that should actually be a pretty good game and might have some implications for my Leafs as well, as the Atlantic Division is pretty tight. I mean, the Sens haven't been great, but I will assume that they're going to be better. So I'll be interested. And uh, I won't be able to bet on it, though. So I need something to keep me engaged. So hopefully... Well, you can place a bet before you head down there. That's true. That's That's true. true. Won't be able to live bet. You're right. I should be clear about that or you can text me and i'll go in on something with you that's what we did when we were down in st louis we text someone in canada like hey place a bet for us yeah i mean it might make less sense when i'm betting two and three dollar bets but uh yeah maybe we'll 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 see case um i've actually been doing pretty well though i've i was telling you guys i've been watching the vancouver canucks and they come back after being down a couple goals, like all the time. And that's my go-to bet. I always bet teams when they're down a goal or two, you can get some really great odds in the third period. So that's what I've been doing. And the bets have been hitting, which has been nice. Um, bit of a closet, you know, Canucks fan. But I wanted to say before we get into it, it's nice having you two back because last week, even though it was nice that I was able to talk about the Maple Leafs for 30 minutes straight, um, it was 30 minutes straight and that was the downside. I just talked by myself for that long and I couldn't believe it when I got to the end of it. I was like, how did I just do that? Like I'm parched. Like I need some back and forth here because after after like 10, 15 minutes, you're just done. But I had much more to say. So the show had to go on. That's so funny it's nice to I, have both of you back. I think you're talking to two guys that 
if you put a mic in front of them and told them to talk for an hour, it's no problem. <laughs> One of them does it for their job. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what? It wasn't like it was a struggle. Like I had tons to say. It's just like by the end of it, my voice was actually like, hmm. you know, not great. So I needed, you know, I kind of was hoping or wishing that one of you two were about to chime in. But like I said, it was nice that no one got in the way of me talking about the Maple Leafs. All right. I'd like to hear how Harper's doing. And then I'd like to go on a little rant. Okay. Sure, sure. Well, doing great. It's uh, great to see uh, both of your beautiful faces. A couple of nice mustaches uh, on the boys as well as we uh, continue to roll along here in November. But uh, yeah, Chad, great job with, um, you know, doing the uh, doing the solo episode. You didn't even listen. You can't say great. You didn't even listen. You can't say great job. No, I know. Okay, well, I'll say (laughs) thanks for getting something out. (laughs) on your own while case and i were away and i will say like it is it is tough to do that when it's talk radio podcasting by yourself that is tough you know i do it for my job but at least like when i go on i don't really go on for very long you know what i mean like that's kind of the nice part about it but anyway um doing good boys and looking forward to this one so case let's let's hear it man what are you worked up about this week i'm worked up It must be the case that the same group of people that handle the NHL schedule are also trying to work out an international tournament with the double IHF. The NHL and the NHLPA are close to an agreement on a four-team international tournament set for February 2025 between Canada, USA, Sweden, and Finland. A four-team tournament. That's not even... That's barely a tournament, first of all. I've got so many problems on so many different levels here. First of all, 2025, so that's going to be a nine-year span without NHL players in the in a World Cup-type situation, which is just pathetic. Most other sports leagues do it at minimum four times a year, and then they've got other tournaments going on. So that's the first problem I have with this. And 2025, it's probably going to be 2026 at this rate. They've been talking about this tournament for four years now. So that's ridiculous. Also, you're leaving out Slovakia, Czechia, Switzerland, and Germany, who have all taken such massive advancements in their programs and the growth of hockey in their countries. You've got deep world junior championship runs. You've got Olympic medals. A Slovakian player going first and second overall, two Swiss captains in the NHL, a top five, maybe the second best player in the entire world is a German. And we're going to leave these countries out. When you look at the last tournament, Canada, USA, Sweden, Finland, those four teams, two of those teams finished 0-3 for a tie and dead last. USA and Finland did not win a game, but we're going to include them again. Or, or of course, we're going to include them, but they're one of the or two of the four teams. Europe, that team we made up that comprised of mostly Swiss, Slovakian, and Germans with some Danish players and like Kopitar, they finished in the gold final or gold medal game. They lost to Canada. So we're going to leave those teams out. That's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that it's just taking them so long to do this when the World Baseball Classic was such a success last year, Japan taking home another championship is amazing. To me, that's, I mean, 
you're just continuing to grow the game over there, even though it's already so popular. And they brought in $100 million in revenue, something the NHL would love, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. why are they not doing that? And then when you did all the interviews with the players, and they've, they're still asking this question today to baseball players, would you rather win the World Baseball Championship or the World Series? There's been like a 50-50 split on that answer. A lot of players saying they'd rather win for their country. Most, all of the Dominican team were like, yeah, I'm winning this tournament every day of the week. I'm not worried about it. And now American players are saying the same thing. I think it was Trey Turner maybe, and he's a pretty damn good baseball player. So the fact that the the NHL players have just suffered on that front for years and years and years is just ridiculous to me. Well, not only have the players suffered, the fans have too, because we haven't had a best on best tournament since the one you were alluding to in 2016, I think was yep. that last tournament where they had Team North America, Team Europe. So, I mean, the fans really are suffering. And then, you know, as a byproduct of that, the the people bringing in the money, all the, the people involved are also suffering because do you not think that viewers would tune in to watch best on best. If you don't think that you're absolutely crazy, this would get an incredible draw, especially from a lot of the countries who you mentioned. I'm thinking specifically of, of a country like Germany who wasn't included. So that right there just makes no sense. I will say this, totally understand the exclusion of a team Russia makes yeah. total sense. Oh, I didn't mention them for a reason. <clears throat> No, no, it will exactly, right? So that makes a lot of sense. And I think what this is, and I'm just speculating, is the NHL obviously wanting to exclude Russia, but doing it in an arbitrary way where they also exclude those other few countries. And for whatever reason, that's how it's happened. I don't think it makes any sense because like you said, Case, those countries who are excluded, like the, uh, the Swiss and the Germans in particular, have been making incredible strides in, in their hockey programs. So well, it, it is mean, a shame. If the NHL is scared of, of how they look to the Russians, then that's a problem in the first place. The other, you know, the solution, I guess, there is have a, you know, Olympic athletes of Russia type team and be like, if you live in North America and play on an NHL team and you're Russian, you can play on a team. Yeah. Or, I mean, we've already done it. The NHL has already done it in the past, right? With Team North America and Team Europe. You could do like a Team Eastern Europe or something. Like, I, I mean, it's, it, I'm just spitballing here, but like there are ways around it if that, if you want to include those athletes, because Let's be honest, like, you know, it it doesn't really seem fair to exclude some of the best athletes in our sport because of the politics of their country. Not that we're going to get into that, but I mean, I do, I do understand it to an extent, but, um, but excluding the other countries for no reason, really, it makes absolutely no sense and delaying it as well. Like how long does it really take to organize one of these tournaments? I understand that you need rinks to play in, you need a schedule made, but like, I don't, that just seems crazy I mean, to me. The World Juniors put its second tournament in the summer in a blink of an eye. Yeah. So there you go. That's less than six months. And they had another whole tournament with more countries, more games. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. It clearly, like w- what it seems like, and I don't know if this is the case, but it seems like the owners don't want their players going because of injuries or something. But the, the, the want of the players is very strong. You can tell. In every conversation you have about competing for your country, players around the league 
say that they would absolutely absolutely love to do that. And it's a shame for fans, like I've already mentioned, that you know in Canada we haven't seen Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby play on the same team together, and maybe we never will. I mean, if this thing even happens, you know, hopefully Sid is is still good enough. I mean, he's having a pretty great year this year, but the point stands, right? Like, it, it, like fans have been robbed. Yeah, I mean, you look at soccer, the soccer world, they take little breaks throughout the season, like international breaks. This week, no one plays. Everyone's playing their international teams, and then they'll come back a week or two later. And the teams that are sending their players off in the soccer or football world, they are you know, double or triple the value of some of these NHL teams and their owners. So I, I understand that maybe they have more money, and that's why they're not as worried, but... I think that's a silly problem that's holding this back is the owners not wanting the players to go and play because, you know, either they get hurt in that or they get hurt playing for your team. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, this is this is classic NHL. Like, I'm so tired of how this league makes decisions. Like, and, and aside from this, like problems that come up, you know, legal issues with players that come out in the headlines or whatever, the NHL waits for problems to go away. They wait for things to go away. We forget about them. I, I feel like they, they wait for that, you know, and, and then it it either comes out way later than it should, or it's taken way longer than it should, or it doesn't come out at all about certain things. And, um, you know, there are some specific things that, that were, that we're waiting on, like the 2018 world junior investigation and, and things like that. We're not going to get into all that stuff, but it just goes back to this whole thing that, that we're talking about. You know, it, it's like, I, I get it. Like we've heard it since day one. Gary Batman works for the owners in the NHL. I get that. They they own the teams. They've paid the big prices. I I, I get all of that. But if, if you're gonna not have a best on best or make us wait this long or, you know, cut out so many teams and some of the best players on the planet, like we've mentioned, clearly it it sends a message, two things. One, you don't care what your players think, and you don't care what your fans think. Mm-hmm. The people who are paying the ticket prices the the um the, you know the subscriptions to watch games and 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 etc and and your players who are ultimately um sacrificing the most playing the actual game on the ice i get the worry about injury and and all of that but when your players are are you know when there's an outcry from the players for something like this and this is what you have to offer Four teams? It's ridiculous. I, I'm I'm so tired of the NHL and the way they make decisions. Are either of you guys surprised by this at all? No, that that's that was my <laughs> whole point to everything I just said. I am not surprised at all. This is classic NHL, and I'm just I, I'm just done with it. I'm not even surprised anymore. The amount of comments I've seen saying exactly that is a problem because. Yeah. Time after time, it's the same shit from the league. Like, why are they the only major professional sports league that can't get it right? Like, every every other league does it properly, no matter what sport. So, just crazy. I, I will say, speaking of, of international involvement, one thing that I think the NHL actually did do right was over this past week, where they had four teams go to Sweden, the Leafs being one of them, and 
playing those games. And I think they should do that kind of stuff more because you could tell that the fans wanted that who were overseas. They're they're going or they've been doing the global series for years now and it's been excellent. It's a hit. And you're telling me that there's not a ton of Toronto Maple Leaf fans in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were already there because they've had so many great speeds on that team before, but they have to have gained more popularity with Nylander in Sweden this past week. And now, you know, it's just, just keep the ball rolling, keep growing the sport in this way. And the thing is too, I didn't know we were going to go into this conversation, but I'm here for it because, you know, we, we've had these gripes forever, but the, the one thing that I've heard a lot of people say who were in Sweden is that, you know, I'm talking about like media personalities and, and reporters and interviewers and that kind of stuff. What those people have said is that they had so many different people come up to them from all over Europe, not just Swedes, who craved NHL hockey so bad, who craved a product that's better than what is offered in their home country, that they flew to Sweden or trained to Sweden because you can actually do that in Europe, unlike anywhere in North America. Um, and and they, they went to those games just to take in a better product. And if the NHL continues to stop or, or continues to not offer that better product, that best on best with all countries involved, then you're just shooting yourselves in the foot. And they've continued to do that for years. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I do like how we're kind of wrapping this conversation up on a if, if we are and, and moving on here. I, I, you know, that is a positive. This past Global Series in Stockholm, I think was an absolute um, you know, uh, out, out of the park home run. It, it really was excellent. So, and it looks like Mexico City here is is going to be next for for uh, some games. Uh, well, Maybe. I mean, Austin Matthews has that much pull. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought the players didn't get anything in this league. It seems <laughs> like now the players are getting everything. But what I to wrap up what I wanted to say about the global series. Now that we're talking about it, I didn't know we were going to be talking about it, but. The Maple Leafs were the team who made out like bandits in that global series. They played the two games that they played there. Both teams that they were playing were on the second half of a back-to-back. So the Leafs were able to, you know, play a tired team in front of a Swedish crowd who obviously, as you know, there's the Nylander connection and, and he ended up scoring the OT winner against Minnesota for the second time this year against Marc-Andre Fleury. So that was incredible. But then also they were the away team in both games, which you might say to yourself, okay, well, that means that they had a tougher time because of the last change. But in this rink, in the the Avicii arena, the boards for each team go like the length of the entire ice. So last change is like, instead of changing from your own blue line, you're changing from like the red line every time. So that didn't mean anything. Plus, because they were the away team, they didn't lose any ticket like gate prices for home games in Toronto. So they made out like absolute bandits. And I just thought it was so funny because obviously MLSE is one of like the stronger ownership groups in the league. I think they're actually the most valued now at number one in the league. Yeah, they grew by 25% this past year. Exactly. So it's just funny like how much sway they have over the league to say, okay, if you want us, these are our demands. And every single one of them seemingly was met, which is pretty (laughs) crazy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was uh, that was a good discussion on uh, on all that, boys. Uh, of course, uh, you know the future of of best on best and how the NHL is just 
pooch in that and and uh, obviously the global series that we saw last week and everything which was fantastic those were some great games in uh, in stockholm so chad you have a uh, another game for us to play uh as we'll we'll get into this now and uh these are blind rankings that uh that that you have for us so take it away yeah, so first of all, that went absolutely off the rails, but I'm here for it. I didn't think we'd be 20 minutes in before we're getting to this mini game, but here we are. So, okay, as you guys know, I do a mini game every week. Uh, the the name of the segment is now just mini game. Okay, I'm I'm putting a I'm, I'm squashing every other name. It's just called mini games. That's the name of the segment. We should get an ID made for it sooner or later. But here's what we're gonna do. I need you guys to blindly rank. These six NHL captains. I'm going to go to Casey first, then Harper. Rank them between (laughs) one and six, okay? Harper understands the rules for this one. Thank God. Okay, Case, number one, where are you ranking Steven Stamkos? Mm -hmm. I would rank Steven Stamkos. I'm going to put him in the two. I think that as professionals in the nhl go i don't know if there's too many players above steven stamkos he's been a captain for a hell of a long time and since he was very young and he's led his team to three stanley cup finals one of them he didn't really participate in except for like a game where he scored a goal so um he has a massive impact on this team he's also you know shown his willingness to to sign and i don't know how worried he is about the salary he's just looking for any communication so number two that was a lot for a blind ranking but yeah no it's good though i i like it stamkos in the two first overall in 2008 incredible resume might not be in tampa bay after this season because apparently they don't want to extend him. so we'll (laughs) see what happens there okay harper to you kyle okposo Ooh. See how so bias comes through. Obviously, I'm biased towards Oposo, but um, obviously a great leader. He's played a thousand games now, but hasn't been a captain for that long in the league. So I will, I'll put him at like four. Okay, that's fair. Okay, Casey, to you, Sid the Kid, Sidney Crosby. Where are you putting number him? one? Yes. There's not a better leader in the NHL. That that was a pretty easy one. Okay, Harper, back to you with another interesting one. Anders Lee. One to six. Where do you rank him? Ooh. Did you say six? Mm Mm-hmm. Six. So, Sid at one, Stammer at two, Oposo at four. Okay. I will say Lee at five. Now that's that's not a knock on Anders Lee or the Islanders. I mean, I don't like the Islanders very much, but that that that's not a knock on on them at all. I th- I think that for sure he absolutely is a great leader and is a well respected guy in that locker room and around the league. So not a knock on him at all. Uh, but I'll I'll put him at five. Not a knock on either of the those players, but I am terrified for the rest of this because I feel like the right answer is Ocposo six and Lee five. And then we have a little room in the middle, but that's my ranking. Uh, and this is our ranking. So. That's why these are fun. I'm shocked you went at five, but there's never a bad ranking. So Casey, to you, uh, where do you rank John Tavares? 
three and five are, or three and six rather are on the board. Uh, wow. Um, kind of worried about who you have last and that's really making this difficult. This guy's been a captain for two teams now, uh, arguably shouldn't be the captain of the team he's on now. He's very quiet. It seems, but I guess his actions speak louder than his words. Um, I think I'm going to take an absolute gamble on there being a really good captain coming up, and I'm going to put Tavares six. That is shocking. The little thing king at number six, that is abysmal. I can't. Well, he should be four, but I mean. I can't believe you did that. Okay, so Harper, that means at number three, and I think Casey had my notes here for this one. At number three, Harper is putting Nico Heischer. Number three. Hey. <laughs> that okay. list got absolutely that, that was mangled. <laughs> that was just disgusting. But oh. I mean, there there you have it. It's a blind ranking. And Harp, I'm I mean, I'm shocked with Akposo and Lee where you put both of those players, but you know what? Blind ranking, what are you gonna do? Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Um, obviously, Tavares would be a lot higher than than we have him. But anyway, that's what makes it fun. We'll have to do more of those. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, boys. Well, we kind of uh, we kind of got off on uh, on some other stuff there to to start this one, but uh, let's get let's get this thing back on the rails and and uh, and talk about you know the the main subject for this episode, and and that is uh, teams who have had you know playoff expectations coming into this season and. Um, Going into to American Thanksgiving uh, this weekend, of course, um, are are in trouble right now. And uh, that stat that I mentioned right off the top that I teased is from Elliot Friedman, and I think that you guys have have uh, have heard this one before. So his stat is, uh, and and this is why you know being in a good position early in the season at this point at U.S. Thanksgiving is so important because you have a fifteen percent chance. 15, 1 5 to make the playoffs if you're four or more points out at U.S. Thanksgiving. Now, that, you know, four, four or more points out in, you know, n- November, I mean, doesn't sound like a lot, but clearly the stat is there that um, it can really be detriment, uh, detrimental to your season as an organization. So I uh, wanted to get that stat uh, in there. D- did you guys know about that? I yeah. did hear that on, okay, I want to say a couple weeks ago on the podcast, him and, and Jeff were talking about it. Yeah. I haven't heard it this year and I didn't know the number, but I've heard in the past, like yeah, yeah. the odds are It's are not tough. much. It's not yeah. much. Low odds for sure. Anyway, I wanted to I wanted to deliver something interesting for once, guys. So so there you go. Anyway, um, <laughs> we've uh, we've got some teams to uh, to talk about. Uh, one obvious one, of course. Um, but uh, case, we'll we'll go to you first. And of course, we have some some honorable mentions. And want to say again, like these are teams we're talking about that have some expectations and, and coming into the season still have those expectations right now, but their seasons uh, have not gotten off to the start that, that they wanted to. Obviously, we're not going to mention like teams like San Jose and Chicago and, and teams like that. We were expecting those teams to not be very good. So anyway, with all that being said, Case, let's go to you first and, and get the ball rolling here on this one. Yeah, I'm going to mention a team that's looking like they're in trouble at U.S. Thanksgiving. A team that 
I think we ranked third in the division in the preseason rankings. They had a fantastic preseason and an okay start and now have fallen off. And that's the Minnesota Wild. They're five, eight, and four. That puts them 13th in the West Conference. Um, that's 14 points, which would be second last in the East, if you want to put that even harsher. Uh, two, four, and two in November really struggled. Um, their last four games have been some tough losses, especially that overtime uh, loss to Toronto and a shootout loss, but nonetheless losses. Uh, the team is 31st in the league for goals against average at four goals against per game. Their PK wow. is dead last at 65.5%, and they're 18th with 3.12, 3.12 goals for per game. That's not really how you predict the Minnesota Wild to play. We usually think of this team as a very strong defensive team with usually good goaltending. And, you know, the, the forwards are a lot of two-way guys that that get the job done. That's how I'd expect the Minnesota Wild to play. Well, that's not been the case. Um, I think one of the main reasons for this team's struggles is goaltending for sure. Um Marc Andre Fleury is second last in goal save above expected, and Gustafson is fourth in uh fourth last and that's nine games each played save percentage of eight seven five and eight eight two for flurry and gustafson defense hasn't really helped them out i know they've missed spurgeon for significant time and now goligovsky as well but with spurgeon out they've struggled to find a partner for middleton that works and his analytics and his numbers have not looked good with the guys they've been trying to pair him up with and then since spurgeon's been back they've they've lost four with him so you know it's it's not looking good back there merrill and merit miss together that pair is in the basement in terms of analytics and um they found significantly more ice time due to spurgeon and goligoski being out um the only pairing that's really working and no surprise because this guy is so solid every single year is Brodeen and Brock Faber. But, you know, it, it's not looked good team defense wise either. The depth of this lineup has really hurt them. Uh, the bottom six, when you look at, you know, in terms of expected goals share has been abysmal. And uh, the top six is, you know, streaky at times. Uh, there are some pluses with this team, one being Zuccarello continues to be an ageless wonder. Uh, another guy who's, who's you know, uh, playing kind of better than expected is Marcus Johansson, uh, as well as Boldy, but we expect that from him now. And the fact that they are six last in the league in the PDO stat, which is the luck stat, gives me a little bit of hope for them. But man, this team has been shockingly bad in, mm-hmm. in my eyes. The Luxstat and, like you mentioned, the goaltending. You know, that's why I'm not as concerned as most people are about the Wild because their goaltending has just been so terrible when historically it's been pretty good. Philip Gustafson has been a pretty good goalie over the last few years and Marc-Andre Fleury is about league average at this point in his career. But and what I but what I wonder there is, mm-hmm. is, is Marc-Andre Fleury starting to age out and is Gustafson maybe a flash in the pan that that had a great season last year and and maybe an okay season before with the Senators. I think Gustafson's been good for the last couple of years. Like even when he was in Ottawa, he had good numbers in a limited sample size. So I think he's been, I think over the last couple of years, it's safe to say that he's been one of the better goalies. I would say like top half of starting goalies, maybe even, you know, 
top 20 or so if if because you know we have to work in tandem goalies as well so he's been up there he's been pretty solid over the last couple of seasons flurry though it, you're right maybe there is more cause for concern there because he's getting older and he hasn't been great over the last few years anyways but when you see the goaltending being so bad on a team whose goaltending isn't traditionally that bad and same goes for the other way around when their goaltending is really good when it traditionally hasn't been um i seem to think that it might come back to the middle i'm not saying that that will necessarily happen with minnesota but there are some glaring and and outlier statistics goaltending being one of the major ones here that just make me look at this team like maybe this guy isn't falling i don't know that was my initial uh, observation anyway what makes me more scared about the team than you know maybe they'll turn around because the goaltending is every other stat is so middle of the road. So that's been the case for the Minnesota wild for a decade or more. But you know, this year we are expecting more. We are expecting, you know, to be a top three team in the division while it's certainly not working. And that's with other teams in the West struggling. So they're just joining the pack and I guess they're playing another competition or something. Yeah. I have a number for you here, but before I give you this number uh, that I think summarizes what's going on in Minnesota, Harper, are you are you okay? Are you still with us here? I, we've lost you a couple times, but yeah, just uh, having some issues with uh, with my mic here. You, like you guys can hear me okay oh, yeah. still? Okay, yeah. good. Okay, it just for whatever reason it doesn't say that I'm connected to my Yeti mic, but if I'm coming through okay, then then that's great. So. Yeah, I mean, anyway, it, I see that it doesn't say you're connected, but it sounds all yeah. right. So I guess we'll okay. see. I mean, wh- you know, whatever. It, it was your camera, though. We lost you on the camera. No, I, so- I know. Well, I, I was I was trying to, to reconnect because I thought my mic was the issue and, and all of that. So um, well, this this should be just fun for me to edit after the fact. <laughs> but Case, speaking of the Minnesota Wild, I had... One number that I think summarizes exactly what's going on in Minnesota. You ready for this number? Yeah. $14,743,588 in dead cap buyout money that we all know exists, but I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. Well, that's what that's something I have in my notes here that I haven't even got to yet. It's something that scares me more about this team is that what are they going to do to bring something in to kind of right the wrongs here they're at 99 percent of the cap right now Mm -hmm. so obviously the dead cap is is screwing them and we've expected that to be the case for the last couple years and the next few so Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the defensive woes too obviously goaltending is a problem but they're not defending how they used to i wonder if they miss a player like matt dumba who Essentially, they weren't able to pay this offseason, even though we only got four million bucks in Arizona because of their cap issues. So everything yeah. for me comes back to that cap issue. And it's just not a great look. And Bill Guerin coming out in the media and saying, you know, it, we have dead money and it's hard to be competitive, but we've got some good players anyways. And like, we're really hoping to push for a playoff spot. It's like, Bill, you bought these guys out. Like, you know, like, what do you, like, you can't complain about it. Just imagine what you could do with 14 million when you're trying to get a good centerman and a defenseman. <laughs> they yeah. might almost be able to afford Willie Nylander for that much. <laughs> 14 million. <laughs> 
Oh, geez. Yeah, well, uh, you know, finally uh, able to jump in on on the wild talk here, guys. Obviously, a a, a good team to to choose for uh, for this. And um, look, they're they're not getting the goaltending. Philip Gustafson uh, could have been a a Vesna nominee. Um, uh, last year, he he was that good, and uh, obviously Flurry's best days are behind him. You've got Wallstead, who's coming recently, called up from from Iowa. But uh, yeah, while I admire Bill Guerin and for what he's done to shake up the roster, it, clearly it wasn't working with Suter and Parise at those high cap hits. But trade him. It, Attach a pick and trade them. Don't care. That's so lazy. That's so lazy. No, no. F- fair enough. And and we've said that before. That buyouts can certainly be a lazy way to to get rid of a guy and 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 shake up your team. But um, re- regardless, I do admire Billy G for thinking like, okay, we regardless of these guys and the deals they have and the commitments long term here, we got to get them out. It's not working. But look, I mean, th- this team still doesn't have a number one center. You hope that one day that's going to be Marco Rossi, who has certainly taken some strides, but um, you you don't have that. You have some glaring holes on the back end, especially with uh, with some players that I think they like to move on from. You know, John Merrill and and uh, and a few other guys. So. Uh, yeah, it, it's just that they're not as deep. We knew that uh, it would be a little bit bleak here in, in Minnesota for a couple of years, but with that dead money, but I thought they'd be a lot better than this to start the season. Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and I want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or to get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there's never been a better time to sign up. So when you visit our page at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and when you register through the link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. So if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand in the meantime, please consider signing up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone, and you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BOYS underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you use the code BOYS underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. This podcast is sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek using the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app, and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. 
All right, boys. Well, uh, good talk on the Minnesota Wild there, and and we'll see what happens in uh, the state of hockey because uh, those fans are are getting impatient, and those guys on that team as well. They have not had uh, a lot of playoff success. Uh, you know, they've been one of those teams kind of in the middle for for a long time, and they've they've been out in the first round every year. It seems like so. Uh, we'll move on from Minnesota now to yours, Chad. I know you have a a team uh, that you've chosen and an honorable mention as well so let's hear it yeah so just in general like the teams that we're talking about here are teams with playoff aspirations who have completely fallen short uh at this time creeping up on american thanksgiving like you said harper alluding to that stat you know if you're out of the playoffs by four or more points at this time then it's going to be pretty tough for you to end up making the playoffs. And that's where the Nashville Predators sit right now is outside of the playoffs with not a very good chance of making it by the numbers. And this is a team who made a lot of offseason moves to get better, to get more competitive, and to give their star players and core group of players one or maybe two more chances at at competing for the playoffs and, and maybe doing some damage. So I have the Nashville Predators as a team who you know, the panic button might be pressed in that town. And I wanted to say this, they have the same exact record as the Minnesota Wild, who we just talked about, uh, 14 points in 17 games played. I did the quick math. If we're saying that the magic number to get in is about 93 points, you know, last year, uh, the Panthers, I think had 92, but then in the West, the cutoff was 95. So it's in the middle somewhere. I'm saying the magic number is about 93 points uh, to get in this year in the West. If that's the case, the Preds and the Wild will both need 70 or 79 points in their next 65 games to make the playoffs. And <clears throat> I don't know if you're doing the math there, but that's about 40 wins in that span. And I don't know if I see that happening for either teams, but specifically here for the Nashville Predators. Look, like they just haven't been scoring as much as a team who wants to compete for the playoffs. Their goaltending, which has historically been extremely good, you know, of course, going from a goalie like Pecorine to their current starter, UC Saros, their goaltending has been a staple of this team forever. But this season, you know, it's kind of crazy because UC Saros ranks dead last in the league in terms of goals saved above expected on money puck. And that's just not good enough. It shows how important he is to that team. And it shows how average and even below average this team is without him performing at the best of his abilities. Um, so it's just not good enough. Outside of, of Philip Forsberg, they really don't have any bright spots for them this year. I mean, you can argue Ryan O'Reilly has had a bit of a resurgence, but I think that's just a product of him playing like 18 minutes a night on the first line. And if you go around the league, like I don't think Ryan O'Reilly is a first line caliber center anymore on most teams, yet he's tasked with that in Nashville. So overall, things just have not been going well for this team. And I don't know. I think I'm pressing the panic button. I don't think the Preds have a chance in hell to make the playoffs during a year where Casey, like you mentioned uh, off air before we started here, during a year where you know they probably had a pretty good chance because there are some other struggling teams in the West. 
Yeah, we were looking for someone to really grab the bull by the horns with with Edmonton struggling. St. Louis is streaky at times. Nashville, Minnesota, Calgary, all all these teams kind of struggling. It's just been like a, a distribution of wealth that's been kind of equal. Um other than maybe Vancouver, but I think that they were just a playoff team in the first place. Um but when I look at Nashville, I actually think I like their odds more than the Minnesota Wild at this time because Saros being last in goal save is above expected is such you know an anomaly like that that's it's an outlier it's not supposed to happen and he I have faith in turning this around and then that's going to be huge for this team when you look at kind of the distribution of goals their expected goals percentage they're fifth in the league they're actually mm-hmm. expected to be outplaying teams every night but it's just really not working out for them and then the, the goaltendings hurt them what worries me a little bit is the depth of this team. It's all one line scoring right now. After Forsberg, O'Reilly, Nyquist, and Yossi, uh, Novak's been pretty good as well. But after that, it falls off, off a cliff. And, you know, I don't think that's any shock to NHL fans because that's been Nashville in a nutshell. Goal, t- goal scoring's always been a struggle and it's always come from uh, a handful of players. But, um, I think when you look at some of the under not underlying stats, like things point to Nashville, you know, they should be better. Um, and goaltending is one of those things I think will correct itself, maybe more so than the Minnesota Wild. So these two teams for the rest of the season are going to be interconnected in my mind. And it's going to be funny to watch it play out. But yeah, it's 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 annoying that they want to give this team one last shot or maybe two. And this was the year to do it. You have so many teams just playing with you know, 500 hockey in the West. This is when you needed to jump up and grab a wild card spot, but they failed to do that so far. Well, because then the alternative case, if it's not this year or next year, you know, Nashville could be selling. They could be recouping assets for some of their good players. UC Saros is a guy who again, like we've mentioned, is a really good goaltender in the prime of his career who has historically been really good and put up great underlying and service cheap. level numbers and cheap could be a very valuable trade asset for them. So, you know, it, it's that old adage, you know, go to the bathroom or get off the pot. And they haven't been doing it. What is was this PG? I'm trying to, okay, case, <laughs> I, I'm see if we can get some, some, kid viewers all right and then maybe they won't be offended if i say go to the bathroom instead of shit i said it anyway so there we go um but okay so i wanted to actually push back on something you said though case they are generating a decent amount of scoring chances but they're not finishing usually that tells you either a team's been unlucky or they just don't have finishing talent for this Nashville Predator, Predators team, I think it's the latter. I just don't think they have the finishing talent. I think when Philip Forsberg is your only guy who can score goals, really, like I just don't think it's good enough. And I'd have I would have to look at the numbers, but I feel like this has been a trend for Nashville. They're able to generate because historically they've been pretty like they've had some size on their team and and they've been able to hold the puck and get shots on net, but and they've been well coached over the years too. Um, but then, you know, they, they just don't have any guys who can actually score. I think that's been uh, their tale over the last few seasons. So I don't know if I see their scoring going up 
that drastically. And I feel like I have more faith in a team like Minnesota who has absolute killers, even though they're handicapped by the cap. You know, I, I can hear that, that argument and like statistically that makes sense to me, but another, like a, the, the third layer to this, the deeper, deeper dive of it is the guys who are, you know, scoring below expected are Nyquist, Cody Glass, and uh, Parsonen. So it's like those are, you know, two of those guys I expect to finish. I expect them to to pull it out. Cody Glass still has the potential there. We're we're borderline on calling him the bust word or or what, but you know, I still think that he should be a guy who can finish. And Gustav Nyquist has finished in the past. He's really exceeding in the playmaking role with nine primary apples this season. But you know, if if it was if the expected goals were coming from from guys like maybe you know a, a Liam Foodie or a Stasny or I'm just reading off names at this point. If it was coming from guys played for that team, I don't way. really yeah. expect to be scoring. Then that would make sense to me. But I think the guys who are missing the net are guys who should be scoring, and then the guys who are scoring above expected, like a Kiefer Sherwood or a Fabro. I mean, you know, the pendulum swings to to what side of the argument. You're, you're on. Yeah, fair enough. How good would uh, an Ellie Tolvanen look on this team for depth scoring? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice, guys? I, I mean, he, he only has 12 points through 20 games with Seattle, but just another guy who, who can put the puck in the net and would be nice depth scoring for this team. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. He's he's fit well in, in Seattle since uh the the day he got there that's for sure but you know talking about the predators we we knew that scoring would be an issue for them um tommy novak is uh obviously injured right now and we knew it was gonna need to be up to uh the the big guys in in forsberg and o'reilly um and uh and and some of their younger players taking a step and Novak's hurt, as I mentioned. He's certainly one of those good young players. But, you know, a guy like Luke Evangelista has struggled. And uh, he was a healthy scratch by Andrew Burnett the other night. And, I mean, they're, they're a good enough blue line. And, and uh, Saros is having a rough start. But, I mean, he is an elite goaltender in the NHL. We've seen that for years now. And this is a an outlier that he's last in, in goals saved above expected. But... Um, you know, gone are the days, uh, as we've said before, of winning games 2-1 and 3-2 and, and one nothing and that. So even though uh, Nashville has a good blue line, I think a, a better blue line than the Minnesota Wild, safe to say, uh, and, uh, and, and the better goaltender out of the two. But um, yeah, just the, just the support and the depth just isn't quite there. I mean, that was a hell of a comeback against the Colorado Avalanche the other night. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. saw the end of that where um, they had two quick goals in, in the dying seconds by Forsberg and Trennan, but you can't count on those heroics every night. So we knew that scoring would be an issue for Nashville, but they're kind of one of these teams that are trying to retool on the fly, I feel like, like a St. Louis and, and uh, you know, so, some of these other teams um, trying to continue that momentum that they had to finish the year last year where they kind of sold at the deadline, but they were planning me playing meaningful games late in the year. And I don't know if we'll get that now. Now, now when it, I, sorry, we just learned something on Riverside, I guess. <laughs> um, when, when you say the retooling efforts of this team, I will give them some respect 
there because you know you bring in Ryan O'Reilly, who's really worked out on this team, and you bring in McDonough, who you know the McDonough Carrier line. I was looking on Money Puck on D pairings. That's a very good pairing. It's worked mm-hmm. out for them, you know, even more so than the um, Yossi Fabro line or pairing. So they've done a decent job at retooling. I just I don't know if it was a team that need retooling. I think they might have needed a rebuild. So yeah. um, you know props for trying but it's it's failed so far mm-hmm. yeah yeah fair enough and and uh chad if if we're you know guys if we're good to move on from from the predators i know you had a, an honorable mention you wanted to get too quick as well yeah so my honorable mention for teams in trouble at american thanksgiving they're an honorable honorable mention for me because i don't know if their playoff aspirations were as high as the predators or if they were situated in as good of a position to do some damage in their conference as the Predators were, but I'm talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. They currently have 12 points in 19 games played, which means that they need 80 points in their next 63 games to make the playoffs. And guys, it's very unlikely. And honestly, for some people, It's a little bit shocking that they've been this bad because going back to the summer, you know, even after adding players like Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine, both of whom have not worked out at all, by the way, but they added some players to their back end to make them better. Provorov, Severson are two guys. They got Wierenski back for a full season. So we truly thought that they would take a step in the right direction and Guys, it's been anything but. I mean, they had the whole Mike Babcock debacle at the start of the season too. And now, uh, Harp, what is the name of their their new coach? Pascal Vincent. So Pascal Vincent has been making some very interesting decisions there. Scratching Patrick Laine, benching Laine and Goudreau together. Some crazy stuff has been going on there. But this team is just has fallen flat of all expectations. And now, seeing as it's almost American Thanksgiving, I don't think they have a shot at making the playoffs. I can understand benching a player for, for a period. Um, Lindy Ruff benched Timo Meyer for a period, and he's been on a point streak ever since. So that can work. But scratching one of your best guys, I just I don't find a world where that makes sense to me. Um, it's that it was it, the most embarrassing moment of his career. Yeah. You, and you see that? Yeah. I, I saw a lot of comments pointing out the bar down wrister. He put it into his own net <laughs> as a pretty embarrassing moment, but this one's worse. So, I mean, I, it's an, it's a weird team because, you know, it's the polar opposite of a uh, Nashville Predators. The top line is failing miserably. And then there's some depth that's worked out so far. Uh, Ivan Provorov's been a pretty good ad for them, but you know, definitely a team we expected more from. But when you when you, I'd rather be the Columbus Blue Jackets than the Nashville Predator because the Columbus Blue Jackets are very young and they only have up, whereas mm-hmm. Nashville yeah. uh, can expect a whole lot of down in the next few years. Yeah, and Absolutely. speaking of down, they sent down Kent Johnson, which. I don't know. If you're going to give these guys a chance, give them a give them a chance. There's just some weird decisions being made in Columbus. It's a sophomore slump in Columbus. Same thing that happened to Cole Sillinger. Exactly. Great rookie year uh, above expect like projection. Same thing with Kent Johnson. Second year did not 
looks so good. But they are loaded, like we've talked about. Fantilli, Sillinger, uh, Johnson, Matejchuk, Coolmans, Yurashek. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's gross like it goes yeah. on and on all i'm saying is you know hammer the under on fantilly next year yeah i mean yeah sophomore no, slump is is a real thing but <laughs> yeah it's interesting decisions being made there and i think there's there's a decision maybe that will have to be made after this season on on yarmo kekalainen truthfully yeah. Yeah, no, I, and and I'm glad I'm glad you got there because that was going to be a, a big point for me. Like, how much longer can can this go on with the same the same guy at the top? Right, the uh, you know the coaching hires, the firings. Um, he's had a lot of leeway there, and I think the way that the Columbus ownership works, from the way I've heard, is that they're very hands off. We'll put you in this position, do your job, and we won't interfere. But at some point, they're going to have to step in and and make a decision here. And uh, John Davidson, the the team president, who is is back with the organization, of course, um, after his stint with the Rangers a few years ago, did uh, kind of address things and say that you know were it, it was. As Elliot Friedman put it, it was more of a of a punt. Like they're they're not going to make a move to try and help them. They're they're counting on that help and that growth internally, which is the right way to go because they are absolutely loaded. They may have the best prospect pool in the NHL, honestly. And uh, so, but at the same time, we thought they would be better than than this. Uh, I didn't think they were a playoff team, but I thought they would be a lot better than this. And uh, yeah, the guys that are that are making the big dollars, uh, like Line A makes eight point seven million, and uh, you know, I think it kind of goes both ways. You have to put the player in a position to be successful. But at the same time, I mean, it just feels like for a while now we've been talking about line A and his potential, and this guy's going to have fifty goals one year and whatever, and we're just not seeing it. Like if he's not getting those scoring opportunities and shooting the puck, what else is there to his game? I'm sorry, but um, that that's a, a point I wanted to bring up as well. So, well, like, how's this for logic? Oh, like interesting. The career winger who's only offensively minded didn't make it as a 1c on a team trying to compete like yeah obviously like (laughs) it it makes absolutely no sense like and and then you know giving damon sieberson like 50 million dollars too on his contract like that some interesting decisions to be made there i think there's some good players on that team but i heard i heard someone put it this way um it seems like forever ago that they had another group, another crop of really good players who just couldn't figure it out together in that city. So it, it's eerily similar to the teams of, you know, Bobrovsky and Duchesne, et cetera, who, who all left. So I don't yeah. know, man. I, I don't know what's, what's going to happen in Columbus, but there's, they're, they're in trouble at American Thanksgiving. Well, I just think too, there, there's a bit of a culture issue there and they're going to have to make a decision on Kekalein and it's fine to bench these guys and sit them for a shift or whatever, but clearly the message is not getting through. 
So yeah, they're they're certainly in trouble. Even though we didn't really expect them to to be a playoff team, but we did expect them to to take a step. Um, all right, we'll we'll wrap it up with uh, with with this team and certainly taking the uh, the low hanging fruit here. But uh, I mean, we we have to talk about these guys, and that of course is uh, the Edmonton Oilers, who going into this season, I mean, rightfully so, all thought were a Stanley Cup contender. I think we're all still waiting and saying, just wait. It's the Oilers. They've got, you know, the two best players on the planet. Um, and they're they're gonna figure this out and get this thing back on on the tracks. Uh they're the only team so far to fire a head coach uh at this point in the season. Chris Knobloch took over, of course, for for Jay Woodcroft, um, who had just an amazing record with with the Oilers. Um, but uh look, I mean, they are they're not just out of it, they're out of it by quite a bit so far to start the season. Five, eleven, and one, eight points behind Seattle, who sits in that fourth spot in the Pacific. I watched that game the other night in uh in Florida. And uh, obviously, the the goaltending uh, sticks out like a sore thumb. You've got Jack Campbell, who is still struggling in the American Hockey League. And I think the message to him was, go down to the AHL and find your game. And I think we were all expecting Campbell to have a pretty quick stint in the AHL and maybe be back up by now. I don't think that's that's a, a stretch at all, but... Clearly, it's not happening anytime soon. I, I thought Pickard played well the other night. Skinner had three wins in a row there. It was looking better, but um, it's it, that's come down a, a little bit. So, obviously, goaltending is an issue. Defensive breakdowns, too. And not going to go into specifics about that, but I just look at this blue line. And when you look at contenders like Vegas and Colorado, for example, Tampa as well, Edmonton doesn't have that one guy on the blue line. They don't. Like Vegas has Petrangelo. I mean, you could throw Theodore in there as well. Colorado has Makar, obviously, and they have Taves and 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 other guys. Then Hedman and Sergachev and in, in Tampa, just to to name a few. But you've got a blue line that I think is very expensive and not very good. And obviously it starts with Darnell Nurse at over 9 million. You've got CC at 325, Kulak at 275, even though when uh, they signed him to that deal, it looked pretty good at the time. Ekholm is a good defenseman, but at this time in his career, he's not a number one. And I know that that he fit in really well, but he's on the wrong side of 30. And so um, you're, you're going to have some regression there. So uh, that that is the next thing for me. And then it's the lack of depth. Connor Brown, zero points in 11 games. I know he was coming off of a big surgery in the offseason. He barely played at all last year in, in Washington, but that really sticks out like a sore thumb. And, and especially when your two big dogs up front in McDavid and Drysaddle are struggling and, and not going well, say struggling, even though um, McDavid's numbers are, are still pretty good. They're not McDavid level so far to start the season, but a couple of goals the other night and but you can see dry saddle struggling. Just I look at some of these names. The the depth just it's not good enough. Sam Gagne, Adam Ernie, 
uh, Fogel, Ryan, like some of these guys, like what are you expecting from these guys when your two top players aren't going? And, And so outside of when it comes to the four group, outside of the two obvious ones, Nuge, who obviously you're not expecting to have over 100 points again this season, Kane and Hyman, there's not really much there. So, and, and like, what kind of response is this from, uh, from Ken Holland, from, from a general manager? I think he's the one who said it in that press conference when they made the coaching change. Well, the roster wasn't deep enough, or the roster isn't deep enough to sit guys. What kind of response is that? Like, I, I know the cap is tight and whatever, and, but like, you can't have that. You, you built you it, just Kenny. Can't. You built it. Yeah. You know. So anyway, that's my rant on on the Oilers, and I know I got <clears throat> rambling on there a little bit, but I uh, want to get your thoughts on Edmonton before we wrap up. And obviously, there are other teams that we could talk about, but uh, like the Oilers are right at the top of the list because uh, going into this season, we were thinking like cup or bust for these guys. And it's gone completely the other way. It's absolutely shocking. But when you're looking at this roster from top to bottom, it's really not constructed very well. I think that when I look at this team, I see a team full of guys that are gripping the stick so tight they're about to break it in half. And that's something that's plaguing the whole team top to bottom, including McDavid and Dreisaitl, who have not been themselves. And I think a lot of it stems from the Canadian media, the Canadian hockey media in particular, yeah. because they're just constantly hammering them with negativity and in the in the spotlight of the media, as well as in the dressing room with just ridiculous question after question after question. And it's it's got to be weighing on these guys. These are guys who expect the best out of themselves every single night and all they hear about is the worst so i have to think that this is a team that's an absolute head case at the moment and although i i agree with the firing of woodcroft um i don't think that bringing an nhl rookie in to try to fix a team that's in their heads was the right move um you know i i don't pay that much attention to coaching in in the first place but uh that's one thing i know is that you need a guy with a strong voice to come in and fix a team like that um i think they do have a lot going for them in terms of the goaltending can be better i think skinner can be better um it was good for my fantasy team to to see them lose with picard and the other night um but it's the the PDO stat that I mentioned before, the shooting percentage plus save percentage, which is second last in the league. It's the luck stat. And this team has been so unlucky. And I think a lot of it has to do with them being in their heads. Yeah. Well, and case to build off your point there about coaching, not to sound like an absolute boomer, but I totally agree. I think not only do you need to bring a guy in who has a strong voice, I think you need to bring a guy in who's been there and done that over his career. And I disagreed with the Woodcroft firing in the first place, but then to replace him with a rookie who coached McDavid in junior, like to me, I thought that was a terrible hire. Not anything against the guy, but even, you know, in his introductory press conference, the guy was shedding a tear. And it's like, listen, I get it. He's a human. It's emotional. Like you're getting hired. You reached the point of, of what you were ultimately trying to get to in, in the NHL as, as a coach. But 
to me, I think they just needed a stronger voice, a calming presence. He should be an NHL coach. I'm not denying that. I just don't yeah. think that this was the time or the team. You know, I exactly. I just I couldn't imagine being a team that's supposed to be winning cups, struggling, bottom of the the league, and they're like, "Hey, we need to bring in a rookie coach for you." I'd be expecting someone who's won a cup. That's what I'd be expecting if I was Connor McDavid. Yeah, to me, like the cup wouldn't doesn't even matter that much. I think you just need a guy who has done it and can say like. Hey, listen, guys, when I did this, you know, a decade ago with this team, this is how we got out of this funk. Or, you know, when I had a similar situation five years ago for this other team, this is how we got out of it. Like, trust yourselves, you're good players, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously, I'm not a a psychologist by any means and neither are coaches. But I think that sometimes you just need that calming presence of like, okay, you're not the first people on the planet to go through this issue. You're not the first team to, to, to have you know, confidence issues, scoring issues, goaltending issues. And, uh, you know, let's work on this together and get out of it. So I didn't agree with the Woodcroft firing in the first place. I thought that he was kind of really tied to this team in a way. And I thought that they would get out of it together, but he wasn't really given an opportunity to do that. All of that being said, obviously this doesn't come down to coaching. This comes down mostly to goaltending, which has been abysmal this season, which kind of goes back as well to roster construction by the general manager, which we've talked about forever. You know, how long has McDavid, how long have McDavid and Dreisaitl been on this team with inadequate depth, defense, and goaltending? It seems like their entire careers, right? And we're just seeing it this year on display even more because their absolute best players are playing to their standards or by their standards, pretty average. You know, I think McDavid is is just now at a point per game, 15 and 15. And I think Dreisaitl has like something like 20, 22 and 15 or something or 20 and 15 or in, in 17. But the point is like you just, it goes to show how valuable these two players are to this team. And when they're not going, it really, really exposes the roster construction. I think that's really what has happened. And it's a shame but all of that being said, I, I wanted to mention the, the same number that I did for the other teams that we were talking about too. They currently have 11 points in 17 games. To reach that magic number 93 in points, they need 82 in their next 65. And of the teams that we talked about, the four teams, Edmonton, Minnesota, Nashville, and the Blue Jackets, the Oilers are the team I'd be willing to bet on. That, that have a chance to make the playoffs. Oh, Money Puck has them at a 44.5% chance of making the playoffs. So. <laughs> That's crazy. Like they could be, they could be in that 15%, right? Of, of teams who are outside of the, the playoffs at American Thanksgiving by four or more points. Harp, yeah. that's a complicated stat, the way like to say it every time, but like it's it's a good one. So. <laughs> at this time last yeah. year, I think the Devils were halfway through like a 14 game winning streak. So if you're telling yeah. me the Edmonton Oilers can't do that with Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, I don't know. Well, yeah. it, exactly. And I think that it was, it was, a part of me was kind of accepting or, or not ex- expecting them to go on a big run like that when Chris Knobloch took over. They won three games in a row, very emotional, of course, after his first win, and it looked better. But 
Then the the last couple of games, I mean, they've put up three or four goals, and it just hasn't been enough. They're 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 not getting the saves, and and you're still seeing some defensive breakdowns. And over time, too, I don't think it's it's insignificant um, that Paul Coffey is on the bench as well. I mean, talk about a guy who's been through it all and one of the best defensemen to to ever play. And what we did see at first. And we'll see if this is a, an ongoing trend is kind of a less is more approach with this back end, taking some of the weight off of a guy like Darnell Nurse and Matthias Ekholm and just kind of spreading things out a little bit. Because like we've said, with the way this uh, roster is constructed, and I know a lot of this, a lot of the problems have been because they haven't been getting saves, but it's it's the back end as well. And, and uh, you know, um, defensive breakdowns and, and all of that, um, they, they just don't have that one guy. So I think that less is more is is a good approach moving forward with with uh, the blue line of this team. But yeah, I mean, out of all of these teams that we've talked about, if there's uh, anyone that can come back from this, and uh, and and get back into the playoffs here and save their season and go on a run. It's it's the Oilers for sure. And again, I you know I know it's hard to compare, but look at the St. Louis Blues in in 2019. I mean, they were last in the league in January and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So you just never know. But if there's anyone that can do it, it's these guys. They should trade and- for Jordan Bennington then if they want to do that. Really, <laughs> I think that this is the team that. If they do have this, you know, miracle of a comeback and make the playoffs, like maybe then they win the cup because they're yep. just that yeah. the momentum of that would be just like the St. Louis Blues, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I actually he- think like we were, we were talking about roster construction. I actually think their back end and their top six is the best maybe it's ever been in in McDavid and Dreisaitl's stints in, in Edmonton. I think their goaltending had the potential to be good, but I don't like, I, I feel like we're just realizing the flaws because McDavid and Drysidle aren't playing out of their minds, right? But I don't think yeah. this team is actually, like, when you look at them on paper, like, that's a, that, it's a pretty good team. It, it, Min- it is. Minus the goaltending. So I think, like, and I've said this before on previous episodes, I think they should just overpay for a goalie. Not on a long-term contract overpay, but overpay in a trade. Like, just get a guy who can stop pucks right now. Like, you know, and then worry about your goaltending contracts down the road. But yeah, I don't know. Well, that that, that is the talk that we've been hearing that's starting to happen there. And, and at first, it's been no, no. No, like we're we're not making a move that we're going to lose by a country mile for a goaltender. But at the Why? same time, <laughs> you have to go for it if if you're the Oilers with with these two guys and and uh, the contracts that that are going to be um, coming up here uh, with with McDavid and Drysaddle in in a couple of years. So um, and and you know I know I kind of ripped the the depth a little bit in that i'm just saying it's really when you look at it when mcdavid and dry aren't going the way we're used to i i just think that you know it's it's just not enough like there are not enough guys there to to pick up the slack and you know a guy like connor brown in particular i just can't believe how he he's been invisible it's 
pretty sure they just paid him $3 million for yep. playing the game on Sunday yep. or Monday. Played yeah. his 10th game, or was it the 11th game of the season? Maybe the clause was like, play more than 10. But yeah, pay, paid him $3 million bucks. That doesn't count, <laughs> doesn't count against the cap until next season. So Jeez. even if he doesn't re-sign in Edmonton, I believe, I would have to double check this, but I believe that that bonus money will be on their cap next season, even if Connor Brown is playing for a different team. Uh, I, I do want to mention quickly too. Why'd like, they play him? Like, <sighs> why'd they play him in that game? Why wouldn't they just like scratch him until they're confident that, I don't, I don't know, it's weird. Man. <laughs> I, scratch I, him for the rest of the season. Or, tra- <laughs> or trade him or like send him down. And I it just, uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to mention too, like, the drafting has been an issue with this team as well. They have not hit on a lot of picks. I mean, Holloway, we're, we're still waiting on, but he's injured again. And certainly injuries are, are an issue with him. Lavoie was a second rounder. I think he made his NHL debut, but we've been waiting on him for a while. It seems like Broberg, same thing. We've been waiting on him for a while. You know, all of these things kind of catch up to you. And but they've been kind of put in the rearview mirror because of the way their stars go. And they've been a playoff team every year and they made it to the final four a couple of years ago. But I think that those things contribute to a start like this, in my opinion. And that's why I wanted to kind of bring up the roster construction and some of the the missed draft picks and all of that because I feel like not a lot of that is being talked about right now when it comes to the problems that exist for the Edmonton Oilers. And I should mention as well that Ken Holland is in the final year of his contract. Yeah, well, do you want to hear some of the misses? You know, like I, I know you guys know this, but 2016, so these are all the drafts after drafting Leon at three in 2014 and McDavid at one in 2015. So first rounder, fourth overall, Pooley RV. First rounder in 2017, Yamamoto. First rounder in 2018, Evan Bouchard, who is the That's one correct. that has stuck yeah. around and has been really good. Yep. First rounder in 2019, Broberg. First rounder in 2020, Holloway. First rounder in 2021, Borgo. First rounder in 2022, Reed Schaefer. And then they didn't have Who a first was traded to, to Nashville in the Ackholm deal. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. like, and, and, and then Bor- like, and Borgo was still young, but there's no guarantee there either. So, well, and I remember Borgo yeah. being an off the board pick anyways. It seems like they always do that. But then well, if you just look at the other prospects that they have, like no one else has really even played any games like Ryan McLeod, I guess, and Stuart Skinner are the only two really since 20. 20- 15 that are still on the team playing games mm-hmm. i mean historically this team hasn't had uh, much luck in the first round but so maybe they should just trade those picks for a goalie <laughs> there you go jordan trade bennington picks. Dude, yeah, okay. other than the, okay, the david and finally yeah. rnh and you know Okay, Edmonton, do what Tampa did last year and trade your entire uh, draft class for Tanner Janot or close to a third line winger, except for Janot, make it for a good goaltender. There you go. Or you should try trading one of your better forwards for a defenseman one for one again. I'm sure that'll work out. That'll work out for sure. (laughs) 
I don't know, man. I just I see some goalies in situations around the league. Like, look what look what a guy like Corpusalo did last year for LA. You know, like you trade for a goalie because you desperately needed it. He stabilized the the position for you and then you know got you into the playoffs and I know they didn't get very far but it it's just at this point you need to start winning games and your goalies aren't stopping any pucks so you need to do something overpay it doesn't matter what's your team without McDavid and Drysaddle like literally nothing we're seeing that this season it's not good enough for to like to to make the playoffs without those two so you may only have two years left with both of those players on your roster. Trade for a goalie. Overpay. Who cares? Okay, final final question on the Oilers for you guys before we wrap this thing up. Um, <clears throat> right now, who are you more concerned about leaving? Dreisaitl or McDavid? Uh, like, am, like, like after their contract? Am I... Over? Yeah, yeah. If 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 one of like if one of those guys, it, it, like, are, would you? Who are you more concerned about the possibility of leaving? What like uh, out I'll, of I'll those? Go first. If it's, if it's a- <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll go first. I just wanted to say that I haven't seen Leon Drysidle's fifty million dollar mansion posted anywhere that he built and lives with his girlfriend there so maybe that's something that will make Connor mcdavid stay i don't know so maybe i'm more concerned about dry saddle i'm not sure yeah case wait what (laughs) i'm saying like mcdavid had just built like a year ago two years ago this massive stupid home that like he lives in now Oh, so I thought like I thought you said that, him that's been it. posted like on the market. I was like, I'm no, no, sure like, that oh, no, 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 no. I meant like the tour that was posted oh, to show like, everyone th- how wealthy how is, he is. How is this not being talked about? If he's God. put his house on the no, market, I'm worried about McDavid. No, no. What what have I done here? Oh, sorry, that was <laughs> it, it was a roundabout roundabout way of saying. In that, terms but, of the the possibility of it happening, yeah, I'm more yeah. worried about Drysidle, but I would I would hate. To see McDavid go, obviously, more like as a fan and a. Well, his legacy is at stake, right? Like, yeah. if, if he leaves, that is, I think, the problem. But I, I, I would be I would be uh, more concerned about about Drysaddle, uh, you know, of course. I mean, he um, he he he's first right with 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 his contract and, and everything. And I just feel like. Drysidel is a lot more negative right now out of the two. And if that continues, that could be an issue for Edmonton. But that was super hypothetical. And uh, yeah, what what have I done with, with that question? But anyway, it's like it, it's something you have to be worried about. Like you're you're looking at right now with the Oilers and trying to win and trying to to improve this thing and get it back on track. But you're also looking at the big picture, right? And I feel like that's that's a big reason why Jeff Jackson was brought in to now run this team. So there you go. Yeah, to keep his former client Connor McDavid. Because right. McDavid is LeBron of the NHL. I hate how you say it's that. It's true, man. He pulls all the strings. Anyways. <laughs> Are we, is this it? We done? Uh, on, yeah. 
I think so. <laughs> the Oilers. <laughs> Holy smokes! This we've is a been long one, we've been rambling a lot this episode, but hey, it, clearly <clears throat> we haven't been together in, in a few weeks. We we just we, we needed, needed this it. time to to catch up. So anyway, there we go. Um, at the end of the day, those are the teams that uh, that we're going with. Uh, teams that had expectations coming into this season that are in trouble right now at U.S. Thanksgiving. And again, I'll repeat that stat: fifteen percent chance to make the playoffs if you're four or more points out at U.S. Thanksgiving. Thank you, Elliot Friedman, for that one. All right. uh, Thank you so much for listening to episode 190. We will chat with you again next week and uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American friends out there. Take care. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.